So thanks so much, um, Bro Winston, for coming and, and, and talking uh, to me today for, um, with regards to your article. And I, it's the first in this series that we're doing in the journal called Testify, which is trying to get um, academics to link up with um, activists and organisers with, with the understanding that many activists and organisers are already intellectuals anyway. And that's yes. very much what, what, mm -hmm. what your article is around, right? But, but the kind of empirical um, kind of anchor of it all is this episode which came to be known as the Oval Four yeah. incident. And I wonder if you could just start by just telling people who, who, who won't know much about uh, Black British history, what, what significance does, Oval, does the Oval Four incident have in the kind of wider historical arc of, of Black struggle in Britain? The Oval Four were members of, a, of a, what I call a Black Power organization. Um, so it puts, it puts it within that global context of Black Power activism. Okay, we, we um, attended a meeting with another Black Power organization called the Black Liberation Front. One of the members, Tony Suarez, a veteran activist, had been arrested by the special branch for conspiring to call it all incendiary charges, conspiracy um, terrorist charges. We attended a meeting for, for two reasons. Number one, to do a defense campaign on his behalf saying he's innocent, he's been fitted up by the police. Number two, we ran a Saturday school in our Black Power organization, the same as uh, BLF did. Now, Saturday school was um, what we'll called a supplementary school where we kept for Black children on a Saturday who'd been diverted to, to ESN schools. And we left the meeting, um, got on the train, got to the Oval Station. Then these group of men just suddenly pounced on the tennis of police. So, so we're back activists, so we'll show us your ID. That's also shut up. We, we've been nicking handbags. Next thing, a big fist fight breaks out between four of us, six of them. Then we find that they, they actually were police. We thought they were just white men having a laugh on a Thursday night. They actually were police. They're part of this um, robbery squad, what they're called a press anti-mugging squad. Basically out targeting black people. They saw us, they said they're going to target us. We didn't turn the way they wanted to turn out. So mm. we fought between us and them. In the police station, they basically beat us up to sign the statements. But in them beating me up to sign the statement, I managed to outwit one of them. But I'll come back to that later on. Mm. Um, we went to court. We were found not guilty for the charges they, they beat us up to confess to. Only found guilty for the charges they said, actually said they saw me put my hand into a man's pocket, an escalator. Um, we, was, we were found guilty sent to two years in prison. Mm. I appealed after eight months. Um, the judge kept the conviction, did not cross convictions, upheld the conviction, but cut the sentence more than saying, well, you've, you've been in prison for eight months. That's, it, that's, enough, that's enough for you. And they let us out mm. in July 1973. I was still vexed. Mm. So for the next 47 years, I kept on and on and on and on, pushing to get my uh, case heard at the Court of Appeal. The article that I wrote before the Court of Appeal, I wrote this in 2016, 2017. It took me about two or three years, revisions, revisions, revisions mm. to write it, to get it. As it, get it publishable now. So, um, so the article was my attempt to bring a different view on my arrest and all context of my arrest. Basically, right. raise the, raise a bar, as it were. Yeah. The article was about my arrest and what I thought of my arrest, and, I, and then I applied Fanon's right. critique of Hegel yeah. to make sense of it. Yeah. 
So the original thing is 1972. It's in. It's called the Oval because it's at the Oval Underground, underground Station, yes, station in, in 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 South London, right? And um, and it's at a point in time where Black Power has come into the UK. Um, there's a growing kind of uh, ideological kind of movement around that. That's also responding to decades of, of um, racist policing um, yes. of, of black communities in, in, in Britain. And so this is one of these, of these um, pivotal kind of episodes in the early history of black power, kind of formally yes. speaking, right, in the UK. Yes. So tell me a little bit about, because you mentioned education, right, and, and you were associated also with this um, movement called the Fasimbas. Can you, yes. can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, certainly. Um, we called ourselves the Fasimbas. Now, there were four black power organisations in London that time. Black Liberation Front, Black Unity and Freedom Party, Black Panther Movement. We were the only black organisation that didn't have black in our title. Why? Because we were already black. People could see we were black. So we didn't have to say that we were black. We were, looked at us, we're all black. We're all dressed in black and militancy, dressed in African uniforms, African apparel, um, military, um, military type gear. So we called ourselves the Fasimbas. The Fasimbas were Shaka Zulu's most feared warriors. Okay, they're called the Fasimba Regiment. They'd be the regiment that, that Shaka would send in to rough up, rough up the other, rough up the other side. Now the Fasimbas mm. took on the British soldiers. I forgot the name of the battle, and they defeated them. Mm. Um, so we saw ourselves as rough and tough, mm. disciplined and trained. There was a BBC program on about Black Power, and it said our, our two main focus was self-defense and education. Mm. Education is very, very important for us. We were followers of Marcus Garvey, followers of Malcolm X, we were followers of um, Andrew Davis, followers of George Jackson. Mm -hmm. People spoke highly of education. So we couldn't, we, we, we couldn't overemphasize education. Well, that's what we were about. We need to raise our consciousnesses um, because as, as Fanon, Franz Fanon, one of my patron saints, a lot of stuff I was about that, that mm -hmm. basically our minds have been colonized. So we need to uh, we need to decolonize our minds, free our minds, in order to begin to, to look at the reality as we experienced it. So the reality we we base our conceptions on the lived reality of black people in this country, mm -hmm. post-colonial, post-slavery. So we wanted to build a movement that dealt with part of the wider black power movement that yeah. dealt with young people. Most yeah. of most of the other organizations. Were, were led by older people in it. Um, were yeah. all led by people under 25. I joined the organization when I was 21. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So on the one hand, you were you were linking, you used the word for Simba to link, it's almost like a kind of Pan-African um, yes. nomenclature, right? Um, yes. And, and it's not just a race or a color thing, right? And at the same time, you were just, you made this intonation, and it's very clear in the article that you treat this incident and you treat this racist policing as a, as a colonial design. Now, most people would yes. treat a racing incident, 
uh, uh, policing incidents as domestic. You know, it's either domestic politics or domestic sociology or, or criminology or whatever. But in the article, you're framing it as a colonial, uh, a colonial moment, a colonial imposition, which then makes it not domestic, right? So I, yeah. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about that, because it, it, it might be a little bit surprising to people that you're articulating this policing and con contention around policing as a colonial thing in the UK, right, in London. Yes, that's true. Um, in The Rest of the Earth, Fanon discussed very much so the actors of the colonial policemen towards liberation fighters, towards the, the occupied community. So as far as we were concerned, um, we were anti-colonial fighters. The Simbas were anti-colonial fighters, okay? The slave trade and colonialism were international systems. They were not domestic systems. The slave trade and slave trade start up as an international system, not a domestic system. And um, black power is an, is an international ideology. It not only grew up in America, it grew, it grew up in the Caribbean. Mm. It grew up in Africa with Steve Biko using black consciousness and, mm -hmm. and using um, Franz Fanon's theories. So also Franz Fanon himself was an international writer. He was valued by the black liberation armies in, in the United States, globally across the world. Mm. He, he, was, he was admired by the, the Irish liberation struggle in this country. Mm -hmm. um, so we saw ourselves, when we met the police at the, at the Overlanderground, it was a colonial encounter. All mm -hmm. colonial encounters are inscribed with violence. Mm -hmm. And when the policeman confronted us at the Oval Station, it was through violence. It was a, a classic colonial encounter. Mm -hmm. They then tried to impose regime upon us that we were black guilty and in in all colonial situations colonists are always black and always mm. guilty blackness and guiltiness as far as fanon france fanon was concerned right. went together so we saw our situation as a domestic expression of an international system right so then what the argument in the article is about mm -hmm. how your black consciousness undermined the, the master dialect, the Hegelian master dialectic, right? Yes. So uh, how did that work? <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things that um, we need to actually understand is that um, black power has, has a, 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 a material dimension, also an intellectual dimension, okay? As well as overthrowing systems, you overthrow systems of thought, mm. okay? And Fanon makes it clear in black skin, white mask that... Um, Colonial recognition were, was how all black people reckon, were recognized. Um, the colonial, colonial system is what defined you as a black person. Okay. You're, you're an oppressed and, 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 and defined as an oppressed group. Um, it was therefore up to us not only organized against material conditions of, of existence, also the ideological conditions of existence. So, we, we, in the article, I spoke about my creative resistance, creative consciousness. I probably didn't elaborate on that um, too much. Human beings cannot live by fighting against something alone, after fighting for something. Mm. So a, a resistance fighting against something, fighting for something is creative consciousness. Wow. So as well as getting rid of the, the, the existing system, you have to put a new system in its place. That's creativity. 
we, we realize now that power isn't just about repression. Power is also an act of creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, so we, we harnessed all, all, the, all, the, all the things that we had. And we, 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 so my content was a, not just a resistance content, it was a creative content. When I was arrested in the police station, I had to change my mindset. I had to engage in consciousness, conscious resistance. So it wasn't no longer physical resistance. So I used my creativity to understand what the police wanted, wanted from me was a signed confession. So I used my creative faculties to make up a confession, which they could not, could not, could not, no way. They, they were dumbfounded by it. They kept on and on and on about me committing robberies on the Thursday morning. I went to school in this country. Mm-hmm. I went to school and I understand how white boys think, how white males think. I've been that close and I understand how white males think. Therefore, I knew what they expected of me. I'd watch all these white scripted characters that on TV, um, Tarzan films, the black, those blackface films with those cowardly black men rolling their eyes and yes, sir, no boss, yes, sir, that's bossy, boss. Mm. Or most white men think black men are stupid. Those policemen were the were exactly the same. So I, I relied on their thinking of me as stupid. And that's what I couldn't do anything. So I invented a false confession for them. And it's very important to say black power isn't just about resistance, it's about creative, you create things, you create things. So out of struggle, you create new ideas. So mm. that's what I was on about. Um, I use okay. my, my black power creative conscious to undermine colonial recognition. Colonial recognition meant that you were, you were defined biologically, you're defined by a skin color, you are, mm. you're stupid, you've got no consciousness. Um, right. That's right. the Egelian scheme. You made it such that they thought that you had given them what they wanted, whereas exactly. actually what you gave them was a trap, which exactly. then later in the, in the, in the court battle turned, turned out to kind of ex- explode on them, right? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's All right. exactly what happened. <laughs> so what do you think the utility is in the scholars um, of international politics reading Fanon? Um, I see a lot of people writing about using Fanon to talk about post-colonial, stud- post-colonial studies. Mm. He was very good at that. He, Fanon is important for us to understand that what we're living in now is a new form of colonialism. The old colonialism, colonialism is not dead. It's still alive because the Black Lives Matter protest brought that squarely to the forefront, that mm-hmm. racism and racism are not national or domestic issues. The international issues. It's essential to actually have a look at how he describes how things are domestic on the one hand, but also yeah. international on the other hand. The uh-huh. slave trade was an international system. Mm-hmm. Black, black people in this country in the West because of an international system, international mm-hmm. transfer of labor, the forced transfer of labor from, from the African continent to, mm-hmm. to Americas and to Europe. Mm-hmm. So Fanon is very, very important. The, only, the other thing I think about as well, that um, mm. what I did, which is very important, is to apply Fanon's critique of Hegel to a oh. lived reality, the over uh-huh. four episode, and use that. And, and in so doing, I portrayed the detectives as Trump actor, the role of the slave master, to force us black activists into the role of slave. So you then have two historical subjects pitted against mm-hmm. each other, in, in the Hegelian struggle, as it were, 
But oh. at the same time, you have the phenomenon struggle where it's the colonized mind against the colonizer. The 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 black consciousness you you had, which was a creative consciousness, exceeded the expectations and the rules of the, the Hegelian dialectic between master and slave, right? And so that that's where you're saying that the you know there's the Hegel, but there's also the Fanon at the same time, which I'm really hope, open and looking forward to more writing from you on, Winston. <laughs> All right. That's an awesome moment to leave it. Uh, um, leave this part of it all, and then and then we're looking forward to reading the next part of it from you. Yes. And thanks so much for talking to us. Really appreciate it.